everyone. Welcome to episode three of the Gladiator Soundboard. Uh, my name is Meredith Moscone, and I will be moderating this episode today. Um, so I am on the Gower Foundation, and I am the programming chair. But also, I am the proud parent of a first grader who goes to Gower West and a future kindergartner. So really excited to be here today on behalf of the Gower Foundation. As a reminder, if you haven't been able to watch episodes one or two, that is on the Gower Foundation's website under Gladiator Soundboard page. Um, and I am honored to introduce Dr. Victor Simon today. He is the superintendent of Gower 62, and he'll be chatting with us today about a topic that I know is near and dear to a lot of parents' hearts, which is grading, learning, and testing. Um, so Dr. Simon, I will go ahead and hand it over to you to introduce yourself to anyone who hasn't had the pleasure to meet you. Great. Thanks a lot. And, um, you know, ha happy to uh, join tonight and really glad the foundation has gotten some positive response from the, the first couple of episodes to, to listen to on the podcast. And, you know, when you say tonight's episode is talking about grading, learning and, and testing, yeah, they're they're all important. Uh, I think the one right there in the middle, learning is 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 the most important. But I do know that grading and testing are topics that uh, parents have questions about and want to be familiar with how we do things here in Gower. Uh, try to gain some understanding of of this important topic in in a student's education, and you know, happy to be here to do it. And uh, you know, proud to serve in the Gower community. Uh, always get a chance to brag about Gower in so many spaces. And, uh, you know, we're, we're hearing a little bit and getting some feedback from folks that are listening to these uh, podcasts outside of the Gower school community and might be having a little bit of an impact in conversations in other spaces. And I always think that that's, uh, you know, great for us to do as a smaller school district here in DuPage County. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I can go ahead and just jump right in. So, you know, as educators, you get to spend the bulk of your days with our kids. So you're welcome. <laughs> uh, but no, thank you. Thank you is what we mean for sure. Um, yeah. But to just to start this off broadly, and then we'll go into a bit more basics. Um, what just from a high level are you doing with the kids during the day? Let me just say it this way. Uh, it starts with our district motto, children at their best. That's really what drives our work here in Gower. And what exactly does that mean? Well, it can mean a lot of things and it means different things for, for different students and, and every family is going to be unique. So when we think about the a number of hours that we have with the students and from Gower West, the start time is 745. It used to be the reverse. It used to be that Gower Middle started earlier and recognized that there is an advantage to having the, the middle schoolers starting a little bit later and getting them ready for that that high school experience. And, and we, we know that that uh, high school calendar is moving to a little bit of a later start over time. And so Gower West starts earlier and 745 to 225, long day. And for those students, it's generally one teacher that they have throughout the day. They see other adults, certainly, but it's generally that homeroom teacher, you know, we think about. And those students do have electives during the day. I, 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 not that they're choosing, but they have uh, PE. So we know they have that physical education and that's 30 minutes. They have art, 45 minutes in a week. There's music lessons. That's 40 minutes in a week. Pretty unique for, for Gower. That um, kindergarten through fourth grade, there's a music lesson and experience throughout those, those grades. Ultimately leads to a choice of whether to pursue band in, in the middle school, which is, which is a, we have a great band program there. There's scheduled lessons with our district librarian, uh, the STEAM program, so science, technology. And you know, when we think about the engineering, art, and 
the math that's involved for STEAM. Our counselors, our school counselors and social workers are part of uh, our students' day and experience and also technology lessons. You know, to think about what digital citizenship looks like for students early on in their career here in Gower. So all of that said is what's taking place throughout a given week of time and bits and pieces throughout any given day. But essentially, that's, um, you know, that's what it is. They're part of a classroom, which is part of a grade level. And you mentioned first grade. So, you know, we have five classrooms in first grade. Typically, we have four classrooms at a grade level. And then they're also part of a, a Gower family uh, as well. And they get a chance to interact with with peers in other parts of the, the school. There's a 30-minute lunch. You know, uh, our earliest lunch starts with actually those first graders at 1055 and goes all the way to 1125. And our fourth graders rotate in at, at 1215 to, to finish up lunch. So that's what's happening throughout a school day in the most technical sense at Gower West. But the teaching part of it, these are licensed professionals that are actually helping students learn throughout their experience in any given school year. So that's that's Gower West. Gower Middle, more of the uh, middle school model. When we think about class periods that are 43 minutes long, we start at 8.30, we go to 3.28. Um, those class periods are single class periods throughout the day for your core classes, math, English language arts, social studies and science. And our English language arts, or what we might call reading and writing, uh, is a double period or, or what's known as a block in, in our world of education. Our students have relatively new over the last few years, we invested in some time in our schedule to build in what we call an advisory period, which is a 28 minute period that would take place for our fifth and sixth graders while our seventh and eighth graders have lunch. So they have the whole cafeteria full of our seventh and eighth grade and then flip around when seventh and eighth grade have their advisory uh, fifth and sixth grade have lunch. So, this advisory period is coupled with another small component called WIN, which stands for what I need. And that WIN time is part of their advisory as well. So really trying to have teachers dial in on what it is that individual students need in terms of support uh, or extension activities. We can talk a little bit about that later on here in the podcast. And I uh, want to keep in mind, too, that it's not just those core classes. The Gower Middle students also have a choice for band. Uh, we have a study hall, foreign language program, and they can also take electives uh, that are involved in STEM, art, music. Uh, we have a family community uh, and uh, consumer science uh, program. And we also have something unique here called team leadership, which is a class, as you would expect, around uh, leadership activities. So, and of course, every day students have PE here in Gower Middle. Uh, they're part of a grade level, and they're also part of one of four houses. Uh, if you think Harry Potter, uh, they're top. <laughs> type of one of four houses here in Gower, which is new this year and uh, has been positive. I love that. I feel like it's such a wonderful balance of making sure there's variety, but also that like holistic focus on, you know, mm -hmm. education, ensuring they have that core, but then also the personalization for each student. So mm -hmm. I think Thank that's you. wonderful. Um, well, I'm going to, I'm going to drill us down just a little bit to the testing. So sure. as parents, I mean, we know that standardized tests are just so incredibly important. Um, but we also know that our kids seem to take a lot of tests. So I would just love your thoughts on what's Gower's approach to testing, to standardized testing, but then also if you could just give us like a little, you know, sure. cheat sheet of the standardized tests that the Gower students take and the implications of those. Sure. Yeah. That, yeah. The cheat sheet. I like that. We're talking about tests and we'll, we'll talk about cheat sheets. I love it. <laughs> so, 
So we think about when, when I think about assessments and you mentioned, you know, state assessments, things of that nature. So there's the test that we sort of, well, that we have to take required assessments that are part of being a public school in the state of Illinois. So to list those out, and these are going to be some acronyms, but there is the IAR. The IAR is the Illinois Assessment of Readiness, and that's the spring test that just is happened. It just happened last week. We're doing makeups now, but the spring annual test, this is the state of Illinois Assessment of Readiness, and this goes out to students that when we think about uh, third to eighth grade, how they're doing uh, reading and math, essentially. So those are your high stakes. The other one that's required, and this is only for fifth and eighth grade, this is the Illinois uh, Science Assessment, ISA. So only fifth and eighth graders would be talking about that uh, year in and year out. It's another required assessment from the state of Illinois. And again, just a comparison for grade levels on how they're doing. So that's, that's essentially it for requirements, unless students are enrolled in a specific type of student program. So, for example, the English learners will take a test called the access test. Some special education program students will take this dynamic learning map or DLM test. Those would be more highly specialized, unique assessments that are specific and tailored to students in specific programs. Like I said, English learning or special education. So those are the, the required tests to have to do sort of things. Now, I use this analogy and say, OK, it's like a after the fact assessment report. Well, then there's the health checkups, the the regular, how's it going throughout a school year? And that's where we choose to take certain assessments. So we're a NWEA map user. So the NWEA map is a K, kindergarten through eighth grade reading and math test. That's actually taken three times a year. Called beginning of the year or BOY, beginning of year, middle of year, end of year. So the beginning, middle, and end of your assessments are taken in MAP, and these are more helpful, in, at least in our opinion and our approach to assessment, for individual teachers and, in some cases, groups of teachers to get this assessment data that is considered to be uh, benchmark assessments at different times of the year to see how students are progressing through their current school year. So it's really helpful for teachers to have the ability to retool uh, shift resources, time, go back, move forward, you know, adjust essentially. So as they start the year thinking, hey, here, here's how the year is going to go. And then they get this information that comes in as early as kindergarten. Uh, so this applies at the earliest grade levels for us in elementary setting to see how things are going for groups and individual students. And adjustments could be made, I, I would say on the fly, but in a, in a positive sense. Uh, they're made because we're pointing at information of how students do at these three times a year. The really nice thing about this one for us, this is my 10th year here in Gower, which is, is feels pretty incredible to, to be here that long. But when I think about the uh, NWEA K-8 history of assessments, if you do this three times a year, you're here as a kindergartner, you go all the way kindergarten through eighth grade, that's nine years of schooling that you know is taking place. And you're doing this three times a year. It's a lot of assessment data. What's great about this for, uh, and it, these are short uh, assessments. This is generally 45 minutes to an hour to take an assessment in MAP. So they're scheduled. Students understand what their goals are. They know what their their scores are, those kinds of things. They know it's about progress and getting better. Uh, we'll talk about some of the pressures that might come with this assessments and others assessment uh, 
you know, behind the scenes and even in front for, for some for some students and how we address it. But essentially, it's an opportunity for us to get that. And I love the word used earlier, this holistic view of a student's experience. We don't have a high mobility in Gower. So our community is blessed in that way where we don't have students you know, coming and going in, in large numbers. Students definitely come and go. And there's, you know, uh, some, some mobility there. But but generally speaking, students transition right through Gower West and right through Gower Middle and on to the high schools. So you have over 20, closer to 30 plot points of how a student's trajectory of assessment and learning is taking place on these benchmarks. It gives us a lot of information. So in other words, we're not going to just throw everything out and start over if something goes awry. We have a history of how students have performed over time and can really try to tailor what their instruction should be. Uh, we call a best fit for them as they go through year to year. At least that's the design behind it. Um, and then finally, there are some smaller assessments that take place in the background. There's some uh, more benchmarking that uh, takes place called Fast Bridge. This is something that would be used for students to figure out what levels of specific support they might need, especially if they're uh, currently performing at a level that's not at the grade level, whether that's higher or lower then. Mm -hmm. And then they can do some uh, social emotional component to this of how students are feeling about their experience in schools. And then certainly, uh, I think we'll talk a little bit later about this uh, AT program we have. We'll, we'll get in that specifically, but the COGAT test is something that's taken uh, second through fourth grade. And again, fifth through seventh grade is needed. And that'll help with some of these uh, programmatic decisions on the school level. So you know, we have these must-dos, we have these we choose to do, and then there's a, a platform or a menu of some smaller assessments that are really fine-tuning what a student's experience is as they matriculate through Gower. I mean, that's amazing. And as a data nerd, I love the fact that you have all the plot points there. Um, I would yeah. love to hear just a little bit more about how Gower uses the results. Um, I think especially from those kind of like autopsy reports that you mentioned, mm. I'm just gonna keep your analogy here um, and how that helps to inform classroom testing. Yeah, I mean, so when we think about any classroom testing that's happening or any classroom teaching that's that that's that's going on, and they're and they're linked, obviously, when a student is, you know, experiences a classroom, whether it's kindergarten all the way through eighth grade, the teacher is going to have a lesson and teaching is taking place. And that teacher is wanting to find out if if learning is being had, right? Like if if students are gaining mastery is the way that we might talk about it, or if they're learning and showing mastery toward these particular learning standards. So what we got to keep in mind is like all of the assessments I just talked about, some of these summative ones that take place like one time a year, and these other more benchmark formative tests that help us shape an experience throughout a year, those are really important. I, honestly, I, I'll tell you, as a practitioner, I don't think those really belong even in the same page with what teachers do day in and day out in terms of, I would say, hundreds, if not thousands of small little assessments and decisions being made in a given day when you have 20 students and how things are going for each of those students. I mean, I, I've been a teacher and I know when a lesson is going really well, at least I think I know. And then I also have a sense of when it might not be going so well. And how teachers are able to get this information day to day hour to hour, even minute to minute in some cases, is more powerful when done well as a professional than any of the assessments that I just listed. 
You know, so, so in that last prompt about like all these things that we have to do and that we choose to do, they add value and, and they have their place in the whole experience of learning. But again, the, the practitioner in that room with the students, helping them learn how to do fill in the blank, whatever it is, them, though, those professionals, along with the students, and in many cases, along with parents and having conversations back and forth, email chains, phone calls, face-to-face, Zooms, things like this, all of that information is just really, really powerful to help us keep good on the promise of children at their best. So like that's so that's really important. So so directly, how do we use the results? Well, and these ones that function more like an autopsy, you know, again, you know, or an end-of-year summative report, I'll say, those <laughs> have their place for accountability at the state level, holding schools accountable to are we doing what we're supposed to be doing. So what percentage of students are at, quote, grade level? How are students performing? All this is on the Illinois School Report Card. And judgments could be made about schools doing well or not so well. And Gower does really well on these assessments. So, you know, all things considered, that is turning out the way we would expect it to turn out. We're doing well. We don't pay a ton of attention as practitioners to that assessment because of the fact that it's speaking about the year that already pretty much happened. So like here, here, for instance, the testing is right now we're in makeups. We're finishing our makeups. Last week was the big testing window for us. A couple of days worth of testing for the state assessment. Those results, we'll get preliminary results this summer. Those results won't go public until right around Halloween of next year, usually October. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've, I've read they're pushing that deadline out perhaps all the way to December. That wow. said, you're already halfway or a portion of the way into, like you're, you're maybe close to counting down to winter break by the time you're getting scores publicly about last year. Like there's so many things that change in a student's life, uh, day to day, week to week, certainly year to year, that I don't know how helpful that is for teachers to go back and try to retool. It gives us a maybe a hundred foot view or maybe even a thousand foot view of what's going on. But really where we get into the um, cycle of continuous improvement, what we talk about is plan, do, check, act, that cycle. I talk a lot about that cycle and, and write a lot about that cycle and share with the community. It's we have a plan. We go out, we do that plan. And now the assessments that we take, the ones I mentioned, especially NWEA map, that's our that's our go to. That helps us check on the work as a district, as as schools. And then we're able to take some actions about how to get better. So that's how we use it at a school and district level. Teachers, we got to keep in mind, are getting information in the form of whether it's homework assignments, uh, responses to discussions, just generally how a student is performing in the classroom. Like, what is their overall vibe in the classroom? Like, are they okay? You know, that kind of stuff is playing out all the while. So teachers are using that information to inform their teaching day in and day out. So it's just, there's a lot, as you can imagine, it's, just, it's a lot of input. And as, as parenting, same thing. You know, it's like yeah. uh, you, you mentioned the soon to be kindergarten, first grader. You got a lot of inputs and you know, all the stuff is coming and tr- trying to figure it all out. Yeah. And, you know, you'll get the line of best fit and, and you, you, you'll make that work. And we all do as parents. And so when we think about this is a setting where all the families are trying to do that for their own children. 
here they all are in the classroom together all at the same time. And the teachers are trying to figure out where everybody is, how they're progressing. And a student that is taking off, let's say, you know, the first three months of school, the student is just rocket fuel taking off everything, you know, all green lights. Something could occur to where that changes. So we want and we encourage and we really are proud of our staff for being so attentive to individual student needs and performance. I, I as the superintendent, and I know the principals feel this way, don't want our teachers getting so caught up in a score that's published here or a score that's published there uh, because their attention needs to be on the student that's in front of them. Like we have to meet them where they're at today. Like and tomorrow morning when they show up, like today was a good day. Tomorrow might not be the best day for a student. And so our teachers have to be ready for that. And they are ready for that. And that's why I classify them as capital T and like hero status. Like they do some really, really great stuff. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we just ignore the test results. So at the end of the year uh, in June, I report out and on our website, we have a academic performance page under our district info tab. So gower62.com, right? District info, drag down and you'll see uh, academic performance. Yes. I mean, first of all, love the transparency there. I think that's so important and just the, you know, trust in the community. But also as a parent, I, I love the fact, the focus that you put on teachers and really allowing them to do their jobs and connect with their students. And you already somewhat went into this, but yeah. going to ask anyway. Um, so as we kind of switch to that learning area, mm -hmm. um, just thinking about what you mentioned of really having teachers understand the students, individualizing it for them. Um, how exactly do the teachers ensure that they're, you know, appropriately challenging the students in class? And I would say similar to what you mentioned earlier, I think that means um, students who are not meeting grade level, grade level expectations or students who are exceeding and really ensuring that they're tailoring that to each level. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's the question. That's <laughs> the question for schools. It really is. It's like, so how, just to rephrase here, like how do make sure I have it right? Like how do teachers ensure that students are being appropriately challenged in class and meaning students that are not meeting grade level and students that are exceeding grade level expectations. Mm -hmm. And, and that's it, right? Like, so the first thing, and I, it is so important. And I just to, to go super slow down motion here and just make sure that anyone like listening to this and parents hear this clearly, it's the descriptor of currently needs to be used in front of both of those descriptions of students. So it's like students who are currently not meeting grade level expectations. And also teachers are responsible for helping students and, and, and giving them the tailored instruction for those that are currently exceeding. So it's like currently not meeting, currently exceeding. And it's, it's a subtle change, but it's really, really important because it just gives a lot of power to how things can change quickly. Every parent knows this. Every parent knows this, that things could be going amazingly well, and all of a sudden they're not going amazingly well. And you could be in the pre-K stage all the way up to, you know, through the toddlers into pre-K, early elementary, and it's this is this is incredibly challenging. And then and then you get into this intermediate grade level and you're like, oh, okay, catch my breath. You know, they're eight, nine, 10. I'm, I'm thinking it's okay, but they come with a whole new set of challenges. And then you have friends and family or maybe, you know, relatives and you look and you go, oh, preteens and middle school, you know, when my kids get that age, they won't behave that. Oh yeah, they will too. You know, and oh boy. <laughs> then you're in middle school and you think about high school and it's just like, oh gosh, you know, those pro it, it is so relative throughout 
back to the question, like how, you know, how do they do that? So one, yeah. let, let's be mindful that it can change at any time. And any variety of factors can make someone that is doing extraordinarily well in school, all of a sudden not be doing extraordinarily well in school. So that said, we know that it's not something that's just fixed, like the student gets it and that's just it. There's other factors at play, right? Like the, the environment that they're in, the external environment, there's a lot that's happening that could change things for, for that child. So that's one. We screen every student. Here's how, here's how it goes for us. We screen all of our students every year in math and in reading. We do that fall, winter, and spring. This universal screening is taking place essentially through this NWA map assessment that gives us a blinking light, whether that blinking light is red, yellow, or green. It's just proverbial lights here. They're not real lights flashing, but like red, yellow, and green lights going off telling us, stop, something needs to be attended to. Caution, you know, what's happening here? Green light, all systems go. Let, let We can go safely through that intersection. So the fact that that's happening throughout the year, three times in a very formal screening sense, is hopefully sort of assuages any concerns of like, well, will my student or my child be taken care of and their academic needs throughout a school year? What I'm saying to you is that formally, minimum three times a year, they'll have this universal screening. So we'll be able to catch a lot of, especially the flashing lights in different colors for us. Change is inevitable. Growth is optional. Like that's a t-shirt for me you know, to print. I think it's my like, future kindergartner wants to say quick hi. Yeah. Do you want to oh, say hi? hi. You want to say hi? Uh, hello. Hi, there's a little one, a little gladiator. Oh, thanks for that. It's a little gladiator. Okay. Yeah, there's a oh, apparently. That's great. All right. As we said, That's, chaos. Right? Chaos. That's yeah, as we said. Chaos. Um, yes. And anyway, <laughs> hey, I know that the podcasts oftentimes, you know, have to be edited to, for space and all the rest, but having a kindergartner <laughs> stop in and say hello, I hope I hope makes the final cut. But um, you know, Maybe we, we could cut out the crying though. <laughs> that's okay. We cut out the crying part. So, you know, we come back and I'll, I'll just say, you know, you know, thanks for that. And when we think about change being inevitable and growth being optional, it gives teachers this charge of like, first of all, it's okay that things are going to be changing. Like we have to expect that, but to make growth not optional and to be intentional about how we want to grow and get better as a system and as a community, like that's, that's where the real work comes in. So for us, you know, we're constantly looking at how to get things to be a little bit better, one more notch higher. And, uh, you know, conversations we have with folks like you and the foundation, the PTO, certainly the Board of Education, many, many, many parents and families all trying to figure out what's best for their own children in ways that are meaningful. That, that's the conversation. So we have to be ready to, uh, to adapt. I love it. And I love, you know, the idea of parents being involved. And I know that I've reached out to some of my, you know, child's teachers, and they've been absolutely wonderful and accommodating questions and all of that. Um, I know you mentioned something earlier, and I would love to dig a bit more into it, which is, mm -hmm. could you help me understand a little bit more about the AT program? So sure. um, how students qualify for it? And what does what is it about that program that makes it different than the everyday classroom? So as early as second grade, teachers can initiate a process for this accelerated track program in which in, in short, it's essentially a program that exists within within a school that is moves at a level that's essentially a grade level ahead. 
Right? And, and in some cases, it could be more uh, depending on individual student. But so it's, it's what you would think it would be. It's a, it's a good title, the Accelerated Track Program. So it's a, it's, even though we can initiate the process beginning as early as second grade, the program's for students in, in grades three to eight. And students have to meet the criteria for the program. And walking through each of the parts of the rubric for this, here's where it's always really cautious. And what we said earlier about the currently and about the pumping the brakes, I understand. And I, I just, I mean this in the, the best, best, most positive way. It's like, I understand as a parent that the moment they may not be listening now and Hey, the podcast and the superintendent's talking about the accelerated track. Pause, pause. You know, like, get the notes out. How do I get my child in the accelerated track? Like, because they have to be in the accelerated track, right? I understand that energy, and and I do. And what I think about is that instead of going into the rubric tonight of like, how do you qualify? I'll just suffice it to say that if a certain number of points are earned on a qualifying rubric, and this is all on our website under parent info, you can get to all these the the, the rubric itself. But there's a qualifying rubric in these areas of math and reading, mm -hmm. and we have to try to figure out whether or not these three data points are met. So we look at those scores in the NWA map, typically at the 95th percentile or above. That's one of the sort of cuts. There's the COGAP test. We're still typically looking for a, a, a score. Currently, it's at 123 or higher. This is just a uh, a score that would mean something on that assessment. And then students are asked to do an activity such as a an in-class writing prompt or a math performance task and, and to see where they are in these different areas. So test, test, performance task, gather it all up, see how things are going. If qualified, the accelerated track might be the right move for that particular student. And then uh, our Teacher at Gower West is Ms. Pollock, and those students would leave their classroom at Gower West to participate in Ms. Pollock's class. The accelerated track at Gower Middle, those are taught as separate classes by our math and our English language arts teachers as part of the students' regular schedule. So there are enough students in the accelerated track to make a, a, a period full of students in the AT math or AT ELA. So they'll work at a quicker pace or an accelerated by one grade level pace, typically. I've been here 10 years. We've had students that have been bused from Gower middle, like fifth graders, sixth graders bused to the high school to take higher level high school classes because that's the level of acceleration they were at. Wow. And you start to, yeah, wow, was my reaction too. When you, <laughs> when you, and you see that and you think like, okay, that's great. That, that idea of pump the brakes. And I am a, uh, you know, education is an urgency and like, this isn't a dress rehearsal type of guy. Like this is important stuff. But at the same rate, I just want, it's got to be balanced with this. Like, what's the right fit for the student holistically? That term you brought up earlier. And like, just because you can doesn't always mean that you should mm -hmm. is, I think, an important phrase for lots of people to, to think through. But in cases like this one, it was highly successful. Student did great all the way through. There could be cases where the students' their, uh, level of anxiety will kick in and just overall like this high performance anxiety and just like really stressed out over, over this. And we spend time here in Gower, our social workers, our involved school counselors get involved in some cases. Our principals have been involved in this, teachers, where a student could be brought to tears over performance in school. Like that's clearly a line there that we need to, to work through. And that involves the family. And that involves like, hey, what, what are we doing? This is not what the test 
is supposed to do. <laughs> like there's there's the intent, but then there's the impact of what this test is doing. So we've had families that might have qualified for AT to get into this higher track, but then have self-selected to say, you know what, no, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not interested uh, for a variety of reasons. Maybe they try it out, don't love it as much, and. That's great. Thank you for clarifying that because yeah, I know sure. a lot of parents have had questions on that. Oh, um, sure. I'm going to switch us to our last topic within like the learning before we go into grading. Um, okay. So obviously the integration of technology and education is changed, not to say that we're all from, you know, the 1900s, but sometimes mm-hmm. I feel that way. Um, it's changed drastically since we were in school. Um, so would just like love to have a better understanding of how Gower uses technology to support learning and if you have any examples of how Gower has, you know, intentionally integrated technology yeah. to help fill student gaps and support student growth. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so there are some paper pencil tasks, but they also use the Chromebooks. You know, blended in what way? Well, the dial is not turned all the way up on Chromebook. It's not turned all the way up on pencil paper. It can be adjusted and back and forth. You know, so so there's a blended experience. We use Google Classroom, so we're uh, what we call a Google Shop here in Gower, and uh, so Google Classroom at West, and we use uh, Schoology at, at, at Gower Middle, and that's our learning management system. So how students interact with what their tasks are and their responsibilities are, that's a learning management system, and technology helps expedite that. And so those platforms are used by teachers and students throughout the day, so that's and the week and the year, so that's sort of how technology is always there in the background. Now, it's provided other ways, certainly for students to engage with teachers and other students. So Google Docs, chats, emails, discussion boards, uh, you can get immediate feedback on different assignments and activities. Uh, teachers are, add, they could add voice memos and voice comments into the Google Docs. Like there's just a lot, a lot of power and expediting that could happen behind the scenes in, in, in these Google Docs. And that comes with some balance. You know, we want to be clear about that as well. The different apps that we use, software applications, you know, these are all online subscriptions. These are all there as part of like helping enrich the world of technology. So the devices are loaded with things that are supposed to be helpful. And and the timing here is good because I just saw this is this past week, an email come out from our engaged learning specialists, our tech folks that work. They are teachers here and they work with our teachers specifically and ask, hey, what subscriptions are we using? What subscriptions are we using? What, what do we want to keep? What do we want to get rid of? So they're they're retooling that in the background all the time as well. Um, so in fact, here at Government, we tried a different learning management system and didn't love it. And, you know, we're, we, we moved back into a different direction. So we have uh, a long history here, 10 years of this I3. So that's how we innovate. And that's how we integrate to inspire the learning. I mean, now you could you can bring in experts across the country, virtual author visits, uh, virtual tours, talking with students across the globe. Like all these things have happened and still happen. And here's the balance uh, with this on technology. And I know we want to talk about grading as well. So I'll, I'll, I'll move quick here. On the, <laughs> on the side of digital citizenship, I mean, airplane mode, screen time, these are things that are important for parents to, to know. So we try to... to bring parents into that conversation, provide as much information as possible early on. You know, how do we expect technology to be used? But it comes with, there's a little bit of a dark side to some of this with cyberbullying and other kinds of issues on the, on the accessibility, you know, and, and there you have all this access to information, 
So how are we protecting students at the same time? So, you know, without going way into the security details of anything, we use a platform called GoGuardian, and it's just a tool for teachers and administrators to use. It monitors student access, can search for and look and, and flag inappropriate content, things like that. And those are the kinds of interactions that we might have early on while students figuring out how to use the network and other kinds of devices and really work with families directly to make sure that that everyone is kept safe. And of course, there are rules, regulations, laws in place in the state of Illinois nationally that make sure that we're focused very clearly on our students' privacy uh, and safety. So when I say technology is ubiquitous and it's everywhere here, we know that to be true, not just in schools. We know that's true. Uh, but at the same time, schools, I think, are held to a probably higher standard than most places in the sense of what kind of things have to be in place uh, for, for student safety when it comes to technology. Yeah. I mean, I, I love, first of all, the term digital citizenship. I just love that. Yeah. Um, but I, I like how you guys um, accept that technology is a part of our lives and really use that to further education and teach kids you know, early how to use it and how not to use it. How to use it and how not to, right? Like, yeah, yeah the phone's a tool. I mean, this the, this, the phone that's right here sitting next to me. This, this phone yeah. is more powerful than anywhere near the first computer that I had as a teacher in 1997. You know, like it's, oh, yeah. it's not even close. Um, I mean, one photo on this phone here is larger in terms of storage size uh, than, than a disc. If you know, like a floppy disc could hold. You know, like, so oh my goodness. we could either embrace what is in front of us or really just try to go this uphill battle and just, you know, really probably a lot of wasted energy and effort to, yeah. to try to avoid it. So let's, let's be mindful of how it can help us. And, um, you know, I think we're the better for it. So, and we've had, uh, We've, we've wrestled and we still wrestle with technology in schools and always do. And, you know, we get ideas all the time from from families or parent groups that'll say, you know, hey, phones should be you know banned and leave phones at home. And it's just like oh, phones are a tool and the it's the appropriate use of the phone is the issue, not the phone itself. So, yep. you know, we're here to help. Um, and any ideas from parents listening, you know, please reach out. We're always, you know, open eared on that and, and making sure we're trying to lean forward. As a parent, I really appreciate that. Sure. And you got little ones too, right? So like, you know, technology is going to only be more and more powerful, right? As they, they go. They already know how to use my phone. They, they know how to use your phone. <laughs> yeah, they sure, I'm sure they do. And they know yep. how to look at, to, at me at a Zoom and say hello. So it's just like, it's, it's exactly you know, we're, we're in pretty good shape so far. Um, so I'm going to switch us, like you mentioned, over to the last topic for today, which is grading. Um, so not to go back and say again that we're from the 1900s, but I feel like this is a theme um, that we grew up with this traditional A through F grading mm. scale. Um, <clears throat> so obviously any parents who have opened their, you know, kids report card has realized that Gower employs a one, two, three standards based, um, grading scale in kindergarten through sixth grade. So just a few questions, um, here on this, and I'll just kind of rapid fire them and feel free to, you know, take them as they are. But I would say the first one is like, just help us understand what this means. Um, yeah. Just you know, talk to us like we're kindergartners, literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then how uh, should we be understanding this in the context or, of the A through F grading scale? Or alternatively, should we be relating that back? And mm. then finally, um, how do we use the scale to understand our children's growth and progress? Sure. Yeah, sure. Okay. So 
Yeah, this is, it's a long answer. And I know that we've, you know, I'm being mindful of our time. And I, I also want to make sure that we spend some time here. So I'd ask in advance, like the editors just, you know, if we go a little long, it, it might be worth the content, you know? So, um, you know, I'm gonna, let, let, let's, let's dig into it. One thing that is so, so important to hear is that it's important to keep in mind that students can learn without grades, but they cannot learn without formative of feedback and, 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 formative assessment and feedback. So to state it again, clearly, they can learn without grades. Like imagine, I know it might not be a popular opinion, but students can and do learn without actual grades, but they cannot learn without formative assessment and feedback. So, so that said, and I, I, I am also from a traditional grading scale, A, B, C, D, E, or A, B, C, D, F. You got an F as a problem. D's are problems. C's, you need to try to do better if you can. A's and B's might, might get it done. But what we know now with a one, two, three, and a lot of parents do throw their hands up and like, I'm confused. I don't know what this means. Help me. I want to have a better understanding. And, and they come in a positive light. Like, I want to get behind this. I just don't know what it means. So just help. Mm-hmm. Me. So when you say they're like, tell us like we're kindergartners, I really, I appreciate that approach for, for two reasons. One, you know, we could probably go to like fifth grade level and handle it there. But I, I, I'll, I would say the kindergarten is really important because think about a kindergartner. Kindergartners here in Gower have been receiving standard-based grades for, for many years, but kindergartners are a good example of until we tell them A, B, C, D, F, like until they come to know what that would be, they wouldn't know. Yeah. Same with a first grader, a second grader, like we made up A, B, C, D, F and all the things that go with it. You know, So it's tough to get away from, but at the same rate, what we have to think about, if it's true that students can learn without an actual grade, I mean, it, Research very clear about grades aren't what does it. It's the feedback that you get. So we'll make it real super clear what a one, a two, and a three is. One is area of concern has not met the standard. So a teacher that is trying to figure out, does this stu- can this student spell the word, you know, whatever. And if that was a standard, it should probably be a pretty bad standard in and of itself. But if that was the standard and they couldn't do it, it's an area of concern to one. Expected level of performance is progressing. They can do it. You know, like we we got it, right? Like th- so that's 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 pretty good. That one little thing is is in the bag. You know, so they're progressing on that specific standard. And three, now we're talking about this is consistency. They're proficient. They've got it down. They've got it down. One, two, and three. Like one, not there. Two, growing toward it. Feel pretty good about it. Three, we feel like they've got it down to a point where they can consistently demonstrate that level of understanding. So more on the side of application. Mm-hmm. So we think about hasn't met standard one, expected level of performance to like two's right where you need to be, three is the consistency. So for for uh, parents, if you're seeing twos and threes, you're you that should be a positive. That should be a okay, my student is right where they need to be. Where are they not proficient? It would get your attention. So twos would get your attention. But what really needs to grab an attention uh, or the attention of a parent is a one. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, these are the areas that there's a concern. Two's not a concern. It's just not that they're proficient yet. Like that word's important to throw in too. It's Currently. Yeah. Like it's just, maybe it's October, you know, and they have a little bit of time to go still, or it's a new topic. And by the time this was graded or reported, it's a two. 
And that's okay. Like we'll get there to, to threes in terms of proficient and consistency. And if it stays in two land, that's fine too. It's expected level of performance, you know, just might be somewhat inconsistent. So we're talking, that's the difference. Not there, inconsistent, consistent. That's a one, two, and a three. We try to make it as simple as we can. Um, and again, you know, when we think about whether a unit is new or new learning, you might see lots of twos. As time goes on, those twos turn into many times threes. So that's in a nutshell what it means. And now when we think about how do we uh, use this to help your own children as a, as a parent, you, you think, well, if I knew if it was an A or a B, I'd be, you know, that'd be more helpful. It's like, well, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe out of comfort, maybe that's helpful. But the difference between an A and a B, I mean, I mean, it's uh, discretionary many times. It depends on where you put the line of, is it a 90 or is it a 92, a 93? What's the cutoff to get to get an A? Like a lot of that is so um, sort of like arbitrary in terms of setting a grade scale. So here, not arbitrary. I show you, can you do this? Yes or no. And if the answer is no, one. The answer is yes. Great. Let's see if we can do it consistently. That's the difference between the two and the three. That is very helpful. As a parent who has looked at her child's you know, card and a great card in the best. And they're like, wait, I'm a little confused. So I really appreciate that breakdown there. Um, sure. <clears throat> for our last question for the evening um, is just as we think a little bit more um, about how our students will be leaving Gower uh, as they move on to high school, trying to understand um, when in high school they will experience a traditional A through F grading scale. So what exposure do they receive to this scale at Gower? Um, to prepare them before they transition to high school? Yes, yes, yes. That's, that is, we get that question a lot. And so our sixth grade, our fifth grade, sixth grade, right here, right now, all of Gower West, K4, all of Gower West, it's been like this for a minute, all of Gower West knows nothing other than standards-based grading. So one, two, three world has been in Gower West for some time. Now you think, in your, you, you have kindergartner, now you think, Look back at your kindergarten and think like, oh, what's this going to be like in fifth grade? It's a long time, but it does happen in a snap. And in those fifth graders and sixth graders right here now at Gower Middle that used to be, you know, over there at Gower West, know nothing other than standards-based grading. So for them, it's just how it should be. It's just what they would expect. But we also need to know we're not a unit district. We we feed into high schools, but the high schools are not part of our management. It's not part of our leadership. It's not part of our administration. So we do want to make sure that our students are prepared for the high school. So that said, our seventh and eighth grade core classes. So our social studies, our science, our, our social science, our science, our math and our English language arts. Those are uh, traditional AF grading scale. So the core classes are still maintained in the traditional sense in seventh and eighth grade, our upper middle school grades here in preparation for high school. So if, if you can imagine at any point, if high schools start to go back to this quote of the idea that students can learn without grades, but they cannot learn without feedback, if there was ever a change in the future, Gower Middle is very close and ready at any time to just flip the switch and say, okay, great, this, this sixth grade class, whichever one it is in the future, that's about to go to seventh grade, we could easily just continue on standards-based grading. That is not what we're doing right now. So to be clear, I don't want anyone that's like doesn't love that idea to, to think anything differently. The high school, as far as I know, 
is continuing a traditional letter grade system. As long as they do, the guarantee from us, and the commitment is better than a guarantee. The commitment from us is to make sure that our students are prepared for that. So our seventh and eighth graders, as long as we know there's a traditional grading scale, we'll have exposure to it and use of a traditional grading scale here at the middle school in seventh and eighth grade. Now, their PE class and their electives, their PE and elective classes can go into a one, two, three. And that's simply because of the fact that that's what they know. They know that the feedback is really helpful to them. And that is a lower stakes in the sense of being ready for high school. So it's like our seventh and eighth graders, kind of like the best of both worlds here as they continue on. Now, I go back and I think like the age of our standards-based grading is our current sixth grade class. That's a long history. So our current sixth graders, all the way zooming back to when they were uh, five and they were kindergartners, that's what they know is standards-based grading. So our commitment to doing this and doing it well has been here for some time now. Um, and as we go, as I said, into seventh and eighth, we have a hybrid approach. So a fair, appropriate mix of standards-based, one, two, three, one, not showing that they can do that uh, standard. Two, they can do it, but it's inconsistent. Three, they have it down. It's consistent. I could do it on Monday and I could do it on Thursday. You know, that that's important. That's an important distinction. And when we think about that for seventh and eighth graders, again, best of both worlds for them. Yeah, I think that's a great combination there. So ensuring they're still receiving that feedback, but being prepared for high school and what will be coming with high school. Um, Dr. Simon, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I think just chatting with you for the last hour has really shown um, your the time that you put in, the dedication you have to the school. But I also love the focus on the teachers because um, despite my little joke of your welcome earlier, we know how much you guys care about our children. We see okay. it with our children every day. Um, and just, again, want to thank you. Um, You're more than welcome. Absolutely. Yeah, Our pleasure to serve. Listen, we're, we're here to get better. It's progress over perfection. We know there's not, it, we know it's not perfect. So, you know, we're here as partners. If information comes up, this is all about grading, learning, and testing. In the end, if the student's not having a great day, you know, mom and dad aren't going to be asking about what the grade was. You know, if it's not a good day, we, we want to get to the bottom of what that's about. So, you know, we're a partner uh, with you. The community is a strong one here in Gower. I think this podcast has been a lot of fun, and uh, I really appreciate the space to to chat with you and uh, really appreciate having a little one stop in and say hello on the Zoom. So <laughs> now she sees me in the hallway, just make sure she stops and says hello. Yeah, uh, you'll know when she joins because uh, she's a firecracker. But yeah, um, thank you. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>